What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate you, man. Episode 3 of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. I really do hope you guys are enjoying this ride because I am enjoying it, and I, I like to get my motivation off in the beginning because if you listen to nothing else that I say sports-related, I, I, at times, this is the most important part of what I say is being able to give hope, some joy, a, drop a gem or whatever it is it is on you. I want to get mine off in the beginning. I want you to hear this early on and I want this. I want this to carry through my episodes. I want this to carry through my life. I want it to carry through your life. And, and the biggest thing I, I've been thinking about today is about success. People always ask about success and how do you get there? What do you get there? And I am a person that is big on success being team effort or collaborative. What do I mean by that? Success comes from the people you have in your circle. And the biggest problem is a lot of you, a lot of us, we have too many squares in our circle. And so you have these you have these people who aren't motivated, you have these people who don't have ambition, you do have these people who don't have dreams, and the success part of it is like, well, how do we get there? And then they ride on the coattail of you, and actually you need people sometimes to motivate you, to lift you, to push you. So if you're looking for success, if you're trying to get to a level of success in whatever field that is in, whether it's podcasting, business, relationships, whatever, you got to get yourself around some successful people, some even more successful than you. So look out for those things. This is not a lone wolf type of, of, of adventure. Your, your team got to be solid. The people in your circle can't be squares. They need to be diamonds. They need to be, they, worth, they, they need to be worth the cut. They need to have clarity, VVS clarity. Get rid of the squares. Allow your circle to flourish with success by getting people on your team. Please, I beg you, success is a collaborative effort. There is no self-made anybody's. I hate that term, self-made, self-made. There's no self-made anybody's, man. This thing happens with the team. Somebody believed in you. Somebody helped you along the way. Get yourself a team and watch you rise to the top quickly, man. But let's jump right into episode three, man. I, I just... I'm having so much fun with this. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself and having a good time. And we're talking about Cowboys are heading to the third preseason game of the year, playing the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday night at AT&T Stadium. And this, to the, com the, the old format of the NFL used to be four preseason games, right? That, that, that was the old format a long, not a long time ago, but a couple years ago. And it was that for a long time. And the, and the format used to be, one and two kind of, you know, everybody played. Not everybody, but like your backups played. Game three used to be the dress rehearsal where your starters begin to play. It kind of gave you a preview of what the, what your team was going to look like for the season. And then preseason game number four, it was the bubble guys. It was the guys that you were trying to get a last little look at to see if they were going to be able to make your team does, did something or does something that kind of caught your attention or popped, your, you know, popped in the screen, whatever it may be. Well, the, the, the fourth preseason game is gone. That's gone. They, they've now made an extra game in the regular season. Um, yeah, that was done by us in the CBA, but whatever. I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's another topic for another show. But now there's three preseason games. And, and to most people who are just casual fans of the National Football League who aren't real diehard fans, a game like this, probably matters none to most. 
some will watch, some will actually attend the game and honestly won't watch a second of the game. It'll literally be people at AT&T Stadium just for show, just for the opportunity to say, well, I at least went to the stadium once this season. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you as a guy who did five years in the National Football League, the fourth preseason game when I was, when I was in the league, which is now the third preseason game, is everything. There are a bunch of guys on that football field that will be on that football field on Saturday night and across the league that are fighting for their lives, that are fighting for the opportunity for their dream to live on, for that flame of their dream to not get blown out. For it not to get suffocated and it goes, man, what, you, what you've lived for your entire life is now done. See, the casual fan looks at the preseason game number three and it's just a throwaway game. But you have to understand that there are men out there that this is their career will be over. This will be the last time that they ever put on a uniform. Most of them would then have to go and find jobs. And if I'm being truly honest with you, if I'm being truly, truly honest with you, a lot of players, and not just in the NFL, in, in Major League Baseball, in soccer, in hockey, in, in, in basketball, do not prepare for the day that it's over. They don't develop a skill set. They don't develop a, a quote-unquote trade. Yeah, most people can't get in front of a mic. Most people don't have the gifted gab to be able to sit in front of a mic, to have a conversation, to be able to speak in such a way that people want to listen. It ain't for everybody. Most people don't have a planned career when it's all said and done. Most of them, all they know is the game. They get so involved and so deeply rooted in the game, it's all they have. That's it. Their entire being is football, is basketball, is baseball, is whatever sport you want to pick. And there's a bunch of guys that will end the game Sunday, uh, Saturday, excuse me, and they'll take their helmet off and they'll unbuckle their pads and they'll pull the pads over their heads and they'll shake their jersey out of those pads. They'll, they'll remove their game pants. They'll untie their cleats and they'll sit in that locker and they'll stare at that jersey, and they'll know to themselves that this is the last time I'll ever get to play this game. And most fans will sit at home and, and just think like, oh, this game's a throwaway game. This game means something to somebody. And it doesn't have to mean nothing to you. I get it. you like, hell, I'm going to work in the morning. Ain't nothing to do with me. But I'm just here to tell you as a guy who lived his career on the bubble, this game is everything. And it takes me back to a time where, and some of you know my story, some of you don't know my story. We'll get into that episode one day where I, where I walk you through the Jesse Holly story. But a part of my story is I was out of football. I was homeless, sleeping on a futon, working as a security guard from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. I would train from 7.30 to 9.30. Then I would go to work at T-Mobile and sell cell phones. Then I would go and volunteer my services at a, uh, at a YMCA, at a boys club, boys and girls club, excuse me. 
Till I got the phone call to be on fourth and long. I do all that, and I get to the point where I'm at preseason game at that time, four, which is now three. And I'm on the bubble. And there's going to be a lot of these guys, and I want to walk you through this. There's going to be a lot of these guys who are, who are sitting there, and, and they're developing this plan in their head. I promise you. They're sitting there, and, and if they're smart, if they're smart, the bubble guys, I'm, I'm going to have the conversation with Will Greer if I'm a receiver on the bubble. I'm like, hey, Will, my man, my boy, ha-ha. <laughs> hey, when you back there, just, you know what I'm saying? Don't forget about me. Throw, throw me a couple passes. If I'm a running back, I'm like, hey, don't check out of these runs, brother. Don't check out of them. Keep them on. If I'm a DB or something or a lineman, I'm like, hey, coach, don't, don't, don't call a couple of them blitzes. Let me get home. Let me get a couple sacks. Because what these guys are doing is they're, they're not only auditioning for the Cowboys, one of 32 teams in the National Football League, they're auditioning for the other 31 as well. Because these are some players, especially the rookies or some other guys that have been around the league, and and sometimes the right situation works out, another team scoops you up, and, and it all works. It all is funny how this thing works. But you may put something on film that another team may say, well, they're trash, my treasure. But if you put trash on the field, ain't nobody looking for that treasure. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody trying to get to that treasure. And so these guys are formulating these game plans in their head, and they're saying to themselves, because I was that guy, and I'm, I'm saying to myself, and they're saying to themselves, you know, I need, if I'm a receiver, I need, hey, man, shoot, man, if I get four or five catches, 50 yards, 60 yards, touchdown would be nice. Touchdown would be nice. If I do it in spectacular fashion, even better. If I pull a Victor Cruz and I just ball out the last game, running backs like, man, if I get like 15, you know, 12 to 15 carries, if I can crack 100, that's nice. I get a tutty, that's nice. Good pickup of blitz, that's nice. Right? So these scenarios are going in their head about what, what is a realistic thing that I can get, get and do in this game and, and possibly catch the eye of my coach. My special teams coach, Will McClay, Steven, or Jerry, or whoever the front office of your team, your head coach is. And it takes me back to a time where I'm in, I'm, we're in, my, my preseason game number four, my bubble game was Minnesota. We're playing the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. And I remember coming into that game like, boy, this has been a good run. Again, this was back in a time where they made cuts every single week. Like they got to a certain point in camp, and every single week you had to cut down. Now you get to keep all 90 guys until Monday. And I kept making the cut. The Turk, the Grim Reaper never came to my room. I was in rooms with that. Coach wants you to bring your playbook. And they be my roommate. I'm like, damn. Hey, bro, all right, man. And a part of you feel bad, part of you don't. Especially if that dude who was your roommate was a fellow wide receiver. You're like, dang, he gone. But he gone. He, I, <laughs> I, I'll take whatever reps he was getting. I'm one step closer. And week after week after week, I, 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 the Turk never came for me. They never called. They never come knocking. They never told me to bring my playbook. 
And I get into this Minnesota game, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Jay Holly, you need about four catches, man, five catches, 50 yards, touchdown would be nice. And I remembered. And Steve McGee, my quarterback. Shout <laughs> out to Steve McGee. Texas A&M alum. How did they do it? Giggum. Shout out to all my giggums out there. I said, I said, Steve McGee ain't throwing his damn ball. Check down captain of the world. Check down king. A back's going to eat. The ball ain't coming past 10 yards. I ain't, ain't happening. My hope, I was like, man, if we can get to Rudy Carpenter, Sun Devil, old Rudy, old Rudy C. Rudy C didn't care if he threw 10 interceptions or 30 interceptions. He was slinging that thing. But Steve McGee, was the, he was the guy that was going to get majority of the snaps. So I'm trying to get into that rotation with Steve McGee like, yo, 1-6 needs some of, these, some of these passes. And I'm getting through the game, and my plan ain't working out. It ain't working out. Fourth quarter come, I'm like, man, I got And then I said to myself, I said, I need a couple uh, 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 special team tackles. Uh, creative fumble would be nice. Creative fumble would be nice, Jay Holly. Get you three or four tackles. Creative fumble. Value on that. It wasn't working out the way I planned. I had it all in my mind. I knew what I wanted to do. It's one thing to know what you want to do, and it's another thing that what actually happens in the game. And we get to the fourth quarter. I think I got like two catches, 20 yards, if that. No tutties. I ain't create no fumbles. I may got a special teams tackle. But it ain't looking good. I mean, I'm not screwing up, but I'm not wowing anybody. Like, I, there are no splash plays that people are like, whoa. There's no play they're like, yo, I ain't moss nobody. You know, I know y'all going to say I'm slow, but I ain't like, I ain't take a slant to the crib. I ain't do none of that. It was like a curl route, a hitch. It wasn't nothing spectacular. And we get into the fourth quarter, and our defense stops them. I'm like, all right, Rudy Carpenter's in the game. In my head, again, I'm always game planning, trying to figure this thing out. What these guys will be doing on Saturday across the league, trying to figure this game plan out. I'm like, all right, we got two-minute drill coming up. Man, Rudy C., let's rock and roll. If, if we can get this thing into the end zone, the last thing that they see is us run a successful two-minute drill. I score a touchdown. You just want the last impression to be good. You want coaches going into those final meetings and when your name comes up on the board, that they got to stop and pause and think really, really hard about pulling your name off the board. Or when your name is compared to someone else's name, what separates you from that guy? What's going to make them keep you? What's going to make them let him go? When they start counting the numbers and saying we going five or six receivers opposed to going four receivers and going another number over here because we got defensive linemen or running backs and all, because that happens. It happens where, where one group is good and they'll normally keep five, but they like this really group good over here, so they'll keep six. That means, that means someone else has to lose a number. You always want to be in a position that when they start pulling names off the board, it makes it very difficult. Like I told you guys before, most teams, if there's a 53-man roster, right? Most teams, mo most teams know 43 guys. 
45 guys. Already. Most, most, most teams go into training camp knowing, man, anywhere from 38 to 45 guys, we already know. And now we're going to try to figure out if another guy has a great camp, surprises us, wows us. Do we injuries happen? Do we make moves here and there? But for the most part, 85 to 90% of the roster, they know. They're just trying to fill out the back end and then look for projects. What we, can, what, what we can slide to the practice squad, what we can even keep on our roster and develop, and then that player be the guy who steps up in two or three years because he's cheap today. And if, he, if, if we see the development or the talent that's worth developing, then he can replace the guy who may be coming up next for a big contract. If that guy was kind of, was kind of like, well, like Micah, that's a surefire. That's a surefire. Unless somebody can come in and set themselves on fire, like literally – like flame the skin and get 50 sacks, you ain't taking Micah's spot or his contract. They're already planning for that now. But what they're looking for is the next guy who can either partner with Micah or who they can develop to be the next Micah or Micah-like. Micah-ish. Great value, Micah. However you want to put it. And so these are all the things that's going in, and you want to make your, you want to make the situation really hard. So we're in the fourth quarter. I'm like two minute drill. Rudy C, we're gonna do this thing. Boom, boom, boom. We're gonna score. I'm gonna leave a lasting impression. Our defense stopped them. They get ready to 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 punt. I'm not even in, in the interior. I'm 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 a jammer. I'm way outside. So I'm 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 setting up to block for the returner. And I'm hoping our returner gets a good return so that we have a better opportunity to run our two-minute drill and I can actually score. To give them, to give them a lasting impression of old Jay Holly, he needs to be here. And as fate would have you, would have you, the ball is punted, and I'm jamming, I'm jamming their, 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 their gunner. Now, there's an eternal clock in my head that I know from thud when you hear that. They kick the ball, doop. There's an eternal clock that goes off in my head. I know how long it takes for that doop to catch. And then I'm looking for movement from the, the team that's trying to cover, cover the kick. But I'm also listening because if the returner, if he can't catch the ball, he's going to yell, Peter, 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 or poison, poison, poison. You sometimes hear it in the games. That's, that is a that is a that is a uh, um, a call out to the returning team that the ball is getting ready to be loose. Stop what you're doing. Find the ball. Get out the way. Peter, Peter, Peter. Poison, poison, poison. So as I'm doing my jamming duties, and the eternal clock in my head is going one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, and I'm waiting for this defender to now react. Because I can see in his eyes and his body language that when he reacts to where the ball is going, I know that we got to return right. So in a minute, he's going to have to come across my face to return right. And I'm waiting to get on the, I'm waiting to get to his upfield shoulder to kind of throw a block. But he's not doing it. But I also don't hear Peter, 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 or poison, poison, poison. But the clock is going in my head and I go, it's time for me to stop. It's time for me to stop because I don't know where this ball is at. He's not giving me any movement. I don't hear the, 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 the getaway calls. Let me stop and find the ball. 
again, I had this plan in my head of, hey, I need this many catches, this and that. I ain't planned for what's getting ready to happen next. And so I stop. I turn right in my tracks and I try to find the ball. And as I'm looking for the ball, I see the ball bounce on the ground. And it took the oddest and weirdest bounce I've ever seen a football take. It's not a basketball. It's an oblong-shaped ball. It's going to bounce whatever way it wants to bounce when it hits the ground. And the ball bounces, it bounces, and then it bounces right into my stomach. I'm not the returner. Oh, his name was Willie Reed was the, my, was the return, punt returner. I'm, a, I'm the jammer. It bounces, it bounces, it bounces right into my stomach. I only knew one thing then. Run! I took off. I took off. I took off. I know a lot of people are going to be like, Jesse, but you got ran down 77 yards in San Francisco. Not this day. 82 yards to the house. To the house. Remember the old Madden commercial, or was was it the Madden commercial, or and the kids playing them like oh no it was a Michael Vick sneaker commercial, and the kids in the game is like virtual reality, and Michael Vick goes, that wasn't in the playbook, but it should be, and I go 82 yards to the crib, touchdown, we win the game, and I remember walking off the field, I'm like it wasn't in my plan. It wasn't in my plan. But as, I'm, as I walk off the field and I'm heading to the locker room, I, I, I'm crossing paths with the owner, Jerry Jones, Mr. Jerry Jones. And he stops me and he looks me in the face and he says, Son, I've been around football my entire life. I've owned the Dallas Cowboys for, I don't know, 25 years. He says, Son, I've never seen a play like that before in my life. Good job. Now, in that moment, I'm, 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 I'm already elated from what happened on the field. But if you needed a vote of confidence heading off the field into the locker room on the bubble game of your career, because let's be honest with you, undrafted free agent guys like myself, who was already in the league, who was out of the league, most of us don't get second chances. You don't get another opportunity when you're the undrafted guy. When you're the first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick, you might get another chance or two because people still feel like there is still some talent left in that body that maybe we can get out that wasn't really – they didn't squeeze all the juice out of the orange. Most guys like myself in that position, that's why I'm telling you all this this, this preseason game number three, it matters to somebody, to a lot of bodies, to a lot of dudes. And so I go off and, 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 you know, I'm out of football almost two years before this opportunity. And while I didn't make the actual 53, I was assured that I was going to be their first choice to make their practice squad. And let me be very, very clear for those of you who do not know or who don't care to know or who frown upon or who make jokes of or make light of 
or think it's some sort of silly uh, 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 rebuttal to people. The practice squad ain't no just, you just some dude. First of all, I was making six figures on the practice squad. I worked three days a week, didn't travel on weekends sometimes, and I made it in 17 weeks. So if you can make 17 grand, I mean, if you can make over 100 grand in 17 weeks, working three days a week, legally, like legally, I pay taxes on this money, you living. Most of y'all got two and three jobs and don't make that. Ain't got to work 16-hour days. So before you go off and say practice squad, and then on top of that, you are literally, if you continue to develop, you're literally one play away, trust me, I know, from being called up. And going from making 100000 to 500000 in 17 weeks. So while I didn't make the active roster, I made the practice squad, which was a huge accomplishment for me. One, because it gave me a job. Two, I could actually afford somewhere to live. I was homeless. I was living on my, my Aunt Gina's futon in a back room. And I was living out my dream. The fire, the fire of my dream had not been blown out. So there's going to be a lot of guys that play in this game on Saturday night for the Dallas Cowboys and all across the National Football League that, that, that are looking to have major games because their lives depend on it. Some of them got families that are depending on them making a squad, whether it be practice or active. So think about that while you're, while you're watching the game. It, it may not be the most entertaining thing. I get it. Trust and believe you me, it wasn't the most entertaining thing. You got guys who ain't blocking well, ain't running right routes, ain't throwing the ball well, ain't covering well, ain't tackling well. It, it can be at times a cluster mess. I get it. And you want to see the stars. You, you, you pay to see the Dak Prescott's of the world, the CeeDee Lambs of the world. But I just want you to know, I just want you to know, there's a lot of dudes out there fighting for their lives and for their livelihoods. And so as I look at the Cowboys as they prepare for this game, you know, I look at guys who are proverbially on the bubble. Guys who are looking to have themselves a day. Who need to have themselves a day. And, and while I can go all across the backup offensive line, all of those guys need to have a day. All of them. All, all of those guys on the offensive line, they, they need what are their names? Let me look this up. All of those guys, you're talking about your, well, he's hurt. Udoga's hurt. Matt Forniak, need to have a day, my boy. Brock Hoffman, need to have a day, my boy. Josh Ball. Josh Ball. Josh, you need to have a day, my boy. <laughs> Matt Walesco, if you play with the shoulder situation, need to have a day, my boy. T.J. Baz, need to have a day, my boy. Alex Lindstrom, need to have a day, my boy. Awesome Richards, go Heels. You having a hell of a camp. Keep it up. Have a day. There's a bunch of guys across the office line that need to have a day. 
that are going to be behind Tyler Smith and, and Tyron Smith and Tyler Biotis and Zach Martin and Terrence Steele. You're pro at some point in time, one of those offensive linemen names, if, the one that I just called, whether it's Idoga or Forniak or Hoffman or Ball or Waletsko or Richards or Lindstrom or Bass, one of y'all or more will be called upon this season. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I guarantee. I'm putting the house on it. One or, one or more of y'all going to be called on to have some sort of role actively on Sunday on protecting number four or opening the uh, open up lanes for um, 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 Tony Pollard or Rico Dotto or Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. One of y'all, two of y'all, got to have a day, my boy. But there's guys in particular that I look at and I'm like, you got to have a day, my boy. Offensively, I thought I, I thought uh, I, I thought John Stevens Jr. was making a push at some of those guys. I did ACL into the season, so Hendershot and Ferg and Schoonmaker, y'all good. Sean McEwen, you 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 close, you close, my boy, but you might be all right. Because Stretch got hurt. But I look at a guy offensively and I go, this is my position. This, I focus on this. I, I study this. Semi Fahoku. My guy. You have to have a day. Because when you look at the wide receiver room, it got thick quick. You got to go back and look at what the Cowboys lined up last year at the start of the season. Amari Cooper is gone. It's CeeDee Lamb. It's Michael Gallup coming off an ACL. It's Noah Brown. It's uh, 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 Dennis Houston. And Cavante Turpin. I mean, all pros. All these guys are professionals. Not all pro, but all pros, professionals. I ain't the best lineup you want to go out there with. And just like that, that lineup went from a very, very mediocre lineup to C.D. Lamb. Oh, and Jalen Tope was in that mix, but he didn't even play. He was off. He was, he was in his head. But just like that, it changes now with C.D. Lamb. In comes Brandon Cooks. Michael Gallup looks to take the, the, the year after the ACL step. Jalen Tobert has turned up. Has turned up. Who I believe will probably make a push for, for wide receiver three over Michael Gallup. They want to make Kevontae Turpin more of a role, uh, a role player in the, in the wide receiver position, not just a returner, special teams. To the point where the guy like Dennis Houston who was starting and playing last year, you don't even hear about him no more. He ain't even the talk of the town like he was a year ago. And then the problem that a guy like Simi Fahoko runs into is, Simi was a guy who, big, strong, fast, was a little bit 
what was a diamond in the rough, like if we can get him polished up really good as a route runner and, and just finishing plays and using his size and his speed, we got something. And so you became a Simi, you became a project, and guys like Simi become a project. Can we can we get him in the system and practicing and practice squad? And he got hurt at one point in time, but can we get him in here where we can shine that thing and that thing and become a diamond? And we go, yeah, we found another one. There's our new Miles Austin. We found one. But Simi just hadn't worked out like that. Like you, like people been like was like pushing your name for years, and you just never took the jump. And what ends up happening is after about two or three years, when, you, when you're the project, the project begins to get reset. And they go, well, who's the next guy? Who's the next guy that we're going to now spend time, energy, effort on? And they have guys like Jalen Tolbert that come around. Dontario Drummond that comes around. And these guys are now given the opportunity to make plays. Guys like uh, uh, Jalen uh, Cropper. And now as it restarts, they found a new group of projects, and you got to get pushed out. So a guy offensively, they need to have one of those. I ain't saying you got to take a pump back 82 yards, but you need, to have a good, you need to have a game, my boy. You do. You go and you look at defensively. And this is tough. Because what Dan Quinn is able to do defensively, he, 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 Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn has gotten the ear, the heart and the minds of Stephen and Jerry Jones. Look at the guys who they brought in. Look at the guys who they've drafted. Look at the guys who they've signed contracts to, who given money to. Everything that Dan Quinn has asked for, he's gotten. Mike Parsons, Diggs, Hankins, Hooker, Nashawn Rice, Israel McCoy. He went long, rangy guys. Even guys like Deron Bland, Land. I mean, he's gotten all everything that he's wants. Like he, I don't think Dan Quinn really gets told no. Granted, whatever you've given him. He's taken, and he's turned this thing into the last two seasons. I think it was 21-22. The Cowboys led the league in takeaways. And if, if that's something that when you ask, you produce, you get to keep asking. You get to keep asking. First-round pick, Mozzie Smith. And Quinn said, I, I need something that's going to stop the run and, and, and collapse the pocket to give, me, to give my edge rushers a shorter chance, a shorter route to the quarterback. Because the difference between a sack, a strip sack, and the ball being released, man, 0.2 seconds. If Micah don't have to go, if, that, if the hump that Micah has to travel over is cut down a little bit because there's pressure up the middle, Tip, strip, sack, fumble, turnover, game changer. They go get Mozzie Smith. But what has ended up happening is the, 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 the chef has ordered groceries. And at times, what happens when you order too many groceries? Something spoils.
or something has to be given away because you don't cook it all. You don't, you don't, you're not there enough for all the meals. So there are some good players on this football team that because of those that had projects, those were drafted, those were brought in in free agency, those were traded for, numbers now begin to get skewed. And I don't know if we can keep everybody. And you went from defensive line being a liability in the past to defensive line being a crowded room. And good, with good players. Not, not, with, not, with no, not with no trash. We're talking about it being crowded with good players. And so when you look at what it is up front, Hankins, Mozzie Smith, Osa, Bohanna, Dorrance Armstrong, Dexter Lawrence, Micah, Damone Clark, Chauncey Goldston. Unfortunate, Damari and Overshawn got hurt. Leighton Vanderash, Jabril Cox, Malik, Malik Jefferson, who's hurt right now. Devin, I mean, there's a lot of dudes. And so now guys in this game, I, I look at guys like Bohanna, O.C. Odigizua, and Armstrong. They're going to have to fight this thing out. Remember on uh, 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 the Batman movie where, 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 they, they, where they were in the room and he broke the pool stick? And he said... Whoever comes out is on it. These guys will have to get in this game and figure this thing out. But those type of guys are going to have to have good games, not only for their lives here, but they're good enough players that they'll go and be on other teams and be able to contribute. So I'm looking like guys for this game, Simi Fahoku, Bohanna, Osa, Dorrance. It can get fishy. It can get fishy. That DB room thick. Trayvon, Deron Bland, Donovan Wilson, Israel McQuamu, Nashawn Wright. We ain't talking about Jordan Lewis. He's still going to come back from his injury at some point in time. Calvin Joseph, Marquise Bell, Jerron Curse, Malik Hooker, Wanye Thomas. It's thick. Can't keep everybody. Can't keep everybody. And you can't pass everybody to the practice squad because they're good players. DB, you talk about like this league is an 11, 11 personnel league, three, three DBs. This team needs a lot of DBs because they run the big nickel or the big dime with J. Ron Curtis playing like a linebacker. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that's going to go down. But it's going to be interesting. But I wanted to set the scene for you. I ain't said Eric Scott Jr., he's playing well. CJ Goodwin's going to make this football team because he's a special team ace. It's a lot of guys. But I wanted to set the scene for you guys for this last preseason game to watch it in a, at a different view. Have a different mindset when you watch it. I do, because I lived it. And know that when the, when the clock says 0 that is literally the end of someone's football career. Career. Done. They're going to sell cars. They're going to be the next realtor. Not saying anything wrong with those jobs. It ain't playing football. It ain't playing football. So, yeah. And, and feel how you feel. It was, a, it was a quote that I heard today. Um, Mike Tomlin. And I, and I believe, I, I like Mike Tomlin. I know you're going to say, Pittsburgh. I like Mike Tomlin. 
And Mike Tomlin, I think he's cut from a different cloth. I think I'm I think that I I think that Jesse Holly, I'm cut from the from the line of cloth of the Mike Tomlins of the world. Mike Tomlin talked about starters and, and, and starter-like players playing in these preseason games. Mike McCarthy's already come out and he's bubble wrapped a bunch of dudes. A bunch of them. Which I didn't quite like. You're implementing this new Texas Coast or West Coast offense. I don't know if I particularly liked everybody not playing. When this offense is broken down and and predicated on timing and rhythm. I thought you needed a little bit of that. I don't think you want to take that chance of figuring things out week one. Good guys, you know, Mike Tomlin, his comment was about playing starters or starter-like players in preseason games was, you can't box if you don't spar. <sighs> See, Taz, we need the button right here. This is the button moment right here. <sighs> I can do something like that. <sighs> <sighs> you can't box if you don't spar. I'm doing my imaginary button. <sighs> my funk's flex growl. <sighs> You can't box if you don't spar. Hit my button. I love that. I love that. That's why Mike Tomlin is who Mike Tomlin is. That's why he has the respect of his players, both current and former. That's why in all of his years in the National Football League, he's never had a losing season, ever. Because of that mentality. That, he's cut from that cloth. I know there's a risk. Of guys getting hurt and guys getting injured. I get it. I understand it. It's football, though. It's football. You only get better playing football by playing football. Can't box if you ain't sparring. Love that. Love that, Mike T. Love that. And before we get out of the Cowboys world and, and get into some around the sports world, got to give a huge shout-out to a friend of mine, former teammate of mine, but I can say a friend of mine may be a guest on this show one day on Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Shout-out to DeMarcus Ware going into the Cowboys ring of honor. <laughs> Salute to you, D-Ware, my boy. That's my boy. I'm name dropping. That's my boy. <laughs> but boy, is Jimmy Johnson rolling over in his grave. I know. Jimmy's not dead. I know. I know sarcasm, guys. Don't know. I know Jimmy's not dead. But ain't that some mess? Jimmy won three rings here. Two rings here. Excuse me. Barry Switzer got one of them. Jerry playing it. Jerry really be playing in Jimmy Johnson's face. Like, it, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I know that I I, I don't I don't I, I tell y'all all the time. Not a violent person, but I understand violence. I don't condone violence, but I understand it at times. And I know Jimmy's probably off somewhere in the Keys, South Florida, marlin fishing or doing whatever the hell that he does on a day to day. But Jerry playing in Jimmy's face, man. Like, Jerry really playing it. Like, Jerry really. Remember I told y'all? Jerry doing this. Like, Jerry playing all in Jimmy's face. Like, 
Not nothing away from Demarcus Ware. Love D. Ware, Hall of Famer, deserves to be in the Ring of Honor. You ain't even make D. Ware wait a couple months, a season. You ain't even let it get to the holiday. We ain't even get to Labor Day yet. We we didn't get to Labor Day. They said he's going in. He's going in. Jimmy, well, we'll see. We'll see. The guy who helped really build this team. The early Cowboys, they were bleeding money. They were losing millions of dollars a day. They were not America's team. They had a little run in the 70s. But boy, those 80s were rough. Bleeding money when Jerry took over this team. And Jimmy came in and helped turn this thing around. Drafted Troy and some other players and got this thing rolling. Triplets came to town and boom. Championship. And Jerry like, nah. And he like this dangles that carrot. And Jimmy, Jimmy got all the accolades, if not more, than DeMarcus Ware. Jimmy's in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy won Super Bowls. Jimmy's regarded as one of the best coaches in NFL history. And Jerry like, nah, boy, boy. And he's going to keep putting more folks in there. But that ain't none of my business. I don't have no stadium or no ring of honor to put nobody else in. I know some of y'all think that there's a curse on the Cowboys, the Jimmy Johnson ring of honor curse, and that the Cowboys will never win a football game. Oh, well, not a football game, but a championship again until Jerry... I don't know if it's tuck his pride or swallow his pride or whatever it is and put Jimmy into the mix. I don't know. I think Jimmy belongs in there. A lot of you probably think the same thing. He ain't going in there today. That, that prestigious accomplishment will go to DeMarcus Ware. And DeMarcus Ware, from, from what, I'm, what I've heard so far, is he's the only one that's going in at that time. So no Romo, no Witten, none of those guys. Just D-Ware. More than so deserving. Shout out to you, D-Ware. All right, let's bounce around the not, let's bounce around, not, not, let's bounce around the, the sports world, the sports sphere. Uh, I reported last episode that there was some smoke. I didn't want to have a button right here. Button. There was some smoke that was going on around the National Football League. Ryan Clark, Tua Tungavaloa, they had some words. Ryan Clark was on his show, NFL Live, and he made some comments called Tua Thick, like a stripper in Onyx. Never been to the strip club. Heard about it. i never been to the strip club. i never been to Onyx. I heard there were some thick women in there. I, I'm a fan of thick. It's not saying that thick is wrong. But Ryan Clark called another man thick, like a stripper. And Tua, like a man, you can't, as a man, you, I can't let another man call me out my name. So Tua stepped up and said, listen, I know what I am. I know where I'm come from. I come from a place where we built on respect. You call me out my name, you got to see me as a man. And I ain't afraid to with these. And we laughed and we joked about it. But I got to give credit. Ryan Clark came back and he posted a video and he apologized. 
And he was honest. And he said, you know, when I first heard it, when I first said it, I said it as a joke. And I didn't mean anything malicious by it. It was a joke. But I thought it was a joke. He didn't. And he responded like a man should. And then there was points that Brian Clark said in there. And even when he said about scrapping, Ryan Clark said, I built my, I, I, I fed my family on violence and was with the smoke. But the thing that I loved the most that Ryan stood on, he said, but I was wrong. What I thought was funny, he didn't. And he responded. And I could have puffed my chest out and made this a piss contest and actually went to blows with him. But he said, I was wrong. He was right. He defended himself on a joke that I made. And Ryan, Ryan Clark publicly apologized to Tua Tungvaloa, to his family, to, and to anybody who was offended by the joke that he made that he thought was funny that Tua didn't think was funny. That's real man stuff right there. And he didn't do it privately. He made the joke publicly. He made the apology publicly. And I thought that was, I, I, I thought that was admirable. I thought that was honorable. Ain't too many dudes really left like that in this world. Sometimes they just, you see the arrogance, the uh, bloviate and just be, that just, uh, it is what it is. Whatever. But Ryan was man enough to go, I was wrong. It wasn't a joke to him. It offended him. And he did what any man was supposed to do. Defend himself. To my joke. And let that be a lesson to all of us, myself included. What I may say as a joke, it may not come off to somebody else as a joke. And I have to, I have to look at myself. I, 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 I can't puff my chest up and be like, well, what's up? What's up? When I was wrong. What I deem funny, he ain't deemed funny. And he has every right to say something in defense of himself. So I applaud you, Ryan Clark, because you did some real life man stuff that I can respect. You saw the wrong that you did, the sin that you committed, so to speak, and you addressed it and you apologized. And it, to me, it was sincere. When you could have easily been like, what's up? Knock if you buck. What's good? Where you want to meet me at? I'm, I'm outside. I ain't ducking. And Ryan even said, he said, man, I'm, my, my entire career, I fed my family off violence. And if you know anything about Ryan Clark's career, he did. Now, I'm not saying the violence on the football field, trying to do being able to fight off the football field, but he ain't afraid to scuffle. But shout out to you, Ryan Clark, for being, uh, for being a man, apologizing. That, 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 you might not never see this video, but let this be a lesson to anyone else that listens. It's a, it doesn't make you less of a man to apologize. It makes you more of a man. And Ryan Clark showed all of us that publicly. So shout out to you, Ryan Clark. Uh, trade talks. The New York Giants, they just made a trade. I, I keep telling y'all, I've been telling y'all, I've been telling y'all for almost two years now, man. When the Giants got Gettleman and Judge and Garrett, it's those, those less than optimal football people out of the building. And they bought some comp, they, they bought people who understood the game of football. 
and personnel and players and team building and coaches that it was going to change. And they went and got a new general manager, Sean, Sean, I get his name mixed up. Help me out. My pronunciation ain't always there. They went and hired uh, Coach Dayball. And Coach Dayball took a team last year that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Joe Schoen, general manager for the Giants. Took a, took a team that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs to the playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah. And he continued to get better. The Giants trade with the Arizona Cardinals, send a seven-round pick to Arizona to bring in Isaiah Simmons. If you all remember, uh, I think it's two, three years ago in the draft, Isaiah Simmons went number eight overall. Six foot four, 235, 240-pound hybrid safety slash linebacker from Clemson. Ran a 4-3-9 in the 40. 4-3-9. And while his, his as being the number eighth pick, you think you want to have kind of Michael Parsons trajectory, right? Be in the competition of defensive player of the year, one of the best. And it maybe didn't go that well for him in Arizona. But that the, the talent is there. Sometimes the usefulness of the talent may not be done correctly. I didn't think Arizona, when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, did they didn't they didn't hire a coach that was going to be able to build a team. First of all, they should never hire Cliff Kingsbury. Sorry to all my Texas Tech fans. He did nothing but lose in college. Yeah, he, he had some good quarterbacks and did some things at off the corner, but when he got the job, when he was in charge, he didn't do nothing. That was worth an NFL job? Nah. But the Giants pick up a, to me, damn good player. And if you know anything about Wink Martindale, Wink Martindale, I talked about cutting from certain cloths. Wink, Dan Quinn, they, they kind of cut from that certain cloth. And what, the, and what the Giants got up front, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, they got another good linebacker. His name is 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 is, is escaping me. But you add another athlete to the mix. Giants got better. Giants got better, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a dogfight this year in the NFC East. It's going to be absolute dogfight. I think the Cardinals are kind of doing a little fire sale. They trade an offensive lineman, and then they go get a quarterback from. Uh, they, they trade for a quarterback, Josh Dobbs, to come. From Cleveland, they traded an offensive lineman, Josh Jones, to Houston. So I don't know. He was a backup, but he started 21 games in the last two years. I don't, I don't know if they're doing that kind of organic tanking or fire sale, early fire sale or whatever. Kyler Murray's still recovering from his injury. We'll see. But the Giants got better today, for real. The Gi- I think about Wink Martindale and what he does defensively, and, and the more athletes you get, the better. X's and O's are fine. They're great, but they work better when you got Jimmys and Joes. I promise you, you can draw up whatever play you want to draw up. You can have the same play. It looked different when Matt Barkley throwing the football to when Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. Same play. Two different results. Same X's and O's. Different Jimmys and Joes. And Wink Martindale is getting his hands on a bunch of athletes. A bunch of athletes. This thing is going to be interesting. 
Heading over to the NBA, I laughed at this. This was funny to me. If you don't know who Anthony Edwards is, guard on the Minnesota Timberwolves, I love Anthony Anderson. I'm sorry, Anthony Edwards, excuse me. Now, Anthony Anderson is an is a actor. Sorry, Anthony Edwards. This young kid, super talented, dog, dog. But what I love about him is he's him. I love people who are them. That's it. He ain't trying to be nothing else than him. I remember when they first brought him to the Timberwolves. If you don't know, Alex Rodriguez, the, 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 the famous baseball player, is, is, is an owner, majority owner of the team. And they were asking him about, like, yeah, hey, have you met A-Rod? He's like, who? Who, 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 who? I, mean, I don't know who A-Rod is. That goes to show, we were talking about this before the show, that goes to show a lot of these young kids, they don't know a damn thing about sports history. They know, they know video games. They know, And it's wild that these younger kids nowadays have access to information or information uh, avenues, Google being the best. And as much as they own YouTube and other places, they don't know nothing about the history of their game or people, nothing. They're just like, yo, we on here. We outside. Don't know nothing. But Anthony Edwards, who just had a fantastic game to help the USA team come back and win a game in the, in the, in the, in the FIBA. Is it FIBA? 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 He was having a conversation with Warriors head coach, who was the head coach of the USA team, Steve Kerr. And, and Ant Edwards is the dog. He's a dog. And Ant was coming, Ant's coming off the bench. And Steve Kerr was kind of have like one of those one-on-one conversations with Anthony. He's trying to say, like, hey, man, you know, this and this. And he tried to do comparisons and, and try to sometimes, you try to have the conversation to kind of ease the pain sometimes. And he's like, Ant, man, you know, when the USA won the gold medal, Dwayne Wade came off the bench, backed up Kobe Bryant. And Anthony Edwards, he didn't say it to Steve Kerr, but he thought it. And he said what he thought on, 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 on camera in another place. Anthony was like, he said he was thinking to himself, but we ain't got no damn Kobe. He said, I get it. If Kobe was here, cool. I'll come off the bench like D-Wade. But D-Wade came off the bench because he was playing behind arguably the, the second or third best player in the NBA history. Depending on what time and frame that was, might have been the best player in all of NBA at that time. And Edwards was like, "Yeah, but we, but, but coach, who Kobe on our team?" And he said, "I'm not them. I'm cooking them." He was in practice one time, drove baseline, and and uh, uh, Jaron Jackson, who won Defensive Player of the Year one year. He, he, he tells him to jump, like jump, and he dunks it. Jared didn't dunk. He didn't jump. He was like, you different player of the year, ain't you? He ain't jump. I love, I love Ant Edwards. But he told Steve Kerr, man, like, we, we ain't got no Kobe, dog. So don't, 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 little, don't little bro me. I'm big homie. Don't little bro me. I'll give any of these jokers buckets. Now, I'm going to sit here and be a good soldier for the USFA during these times. But don't come to me with that no more, coach. He ain't say all that. I said that, but it just sounded good. 
to say. That's basically what I'm translating what he was saying. That basically, don't little bro me. Kobe ain't here. If Kobe was here, I'll sit right here. Ain't no Kobe out there. Put me in the game. Do a little baseball. I got a little baseball in me. I don't even know. Like, I got a little baseball in me. And this is always, this, this particular player, it's a, it's a little hanging fruit, to be honest with y'all. But I like to talk about him. Shohei Otani, who is right now AL MVP, right? Dude's phenomenal. He, 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 he's having another, needs another Tommy John surgery. If you don't know Shohei, two-way guy, pitcher, hitter for the Angels, this dude is, is stupid. It's stupid what he does. Like, you look at Shohei numbers right now. He leads the league in home runs with 44. Leads the league in triples with 7. Uh, On-base percentage, uh, 1.0, 1.06. Uh, total base is 310. I mean, this dude is, he was the first pitcher to 10 wins this season. Imagine a dude who comes up to bat and has the skill of any, any one of the best home run hitters in the league. But then when he changes sides, he goes to the mound and he cook you there too. Stupid. He won't pitch anymore this year. UCL will go to Tommy John. This is his second one. Be out next year too. Be out next year as a pitcher, right? He'll probably still do some batting. But but this is Shohei is going to be a guy who changes the landscape of baseball. You saw last a couple years ago, guys are getting three hundred million. Shohei ain't gonna get half a billion. He's gonna get that Patrick Mahomes. And the difference between Patrick Mahomes half a billion and Shohei Otani's half a billion, this ain't really a half a billion over here with Patrick Mahomes. This really a half a billion over here. Every single dollar is guaranteed in baseball. The thing that I always find interesting when it comes to baseball is two, arguably two of the best players in MLB history, Mike Trout, who's been off and on hurt the last couple years, Shohei Otani, who is all-world. If you're a casual fan, you don't, like, unless you're a diehard base, there's no publicity of these guys. Like, they need to have, remember that Michael Jordan was walking around in, like, Barcelona, he looks up and it's like a 100-foot, Billboard, like they need to be show show hey stuff like that. Their team sucks, so they're never playing like deep into the postseason. But I've always been interested when it comes to the MLB, just how much or how less you guys promote your players. Shohei should be everywhere. He should be everywhere. It should be commercials. It should be billboards. It should be on the internet. It should be on your ticker tape. It should be coming to your phone. It should. I just. I'm always confused with the MLB, and maybe it's Manfred and his, his running of the of the organization. It's just like, dude, come on. Now Shohei may have some international love because he's from um, um, Japan, but dude. My boy, man, for this should, this MLB should be like it's players like that, the younger players. Ozuna and 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 the the the, the uh, 
the De- the Dela Cruz, not the Dela Cruz, but the uh uh from Cincinnati. Oh, you're Dela Cruz. Dela Cruz. I mean, there's such a, there's young. We got it. Like MLB, I'll, I'll never understand it. I'll never. And I'm a casual fan. I'm not a diehard baseball fan. I'm not a seam head. I'm a casual. I watch it. I follow our local team, the Rangers. I watch some games, but Shohei should be a household name. There's other players that should be household names. That people just don't. You can't walk on. You can't walk on the street and just name names to people that they know, like they do in basketball. And unlike football, the thing about football, while I think it's probably on in America the most popular sport in America, the helmets are on. 95% of the time. But you can't go a day of the week without hearing about football. Monday night football. Thursday night football. They got Saturday games. They got Sunday games. They're talking about it in the A block, the B blocks, on all the shows. Bro, you got to have that with Shohei. Everybody should be talking about Shohei. It shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a blip in the sports news cycle. He should be news. MLB. I just don't get it. I don't know. But Shohei will be out of pitching. He's the MVP. Start, start, start. I don't know. They they, they still chisel it? No, they got a machine. A laser machine. Laser it up. Spell it right. Shohei. He'll be the AL MVP. And this is all world talent, man. He's It's just stupid what, what, what he can do on and, on and the mound and in the box. It's It's crazy. For my, for this, 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 this is going to be the last one and we're going to get up out of here. This is a PSA. It's a PSA to all of the 30... I'm going to go 38 because I'm on the other side of that. Plus men out there. I get that you guys work out and everyone's healthy. And sometimes you got to just slow your roll. Funny story, Kevin Hart, the comedian, 40-plus years old. Kevin Hart thinks, because I work out, you know, I was a Nike athlete and doing all that kind of stuff. I'm good. I'm fit. That I can just do things like pro athletes. Ladies and gentlemen, even though I am washed, there was a point in time where I was considered one of the best of the best in the world. And I was a scrub in that sport. But I was 1% of 1%. I was a two-sport athlete at a major Division I university. And I know a lot of y'all think that you can move and shake and do certain things. Let this be a PSA from what happened to Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart tried to race Stephen Ridley, former running back of the New England Patriots in the NFL, went to LSU. He tore his whole joint up, the whole abdomen, the lower joint. He's in a wheelchair. Can't walk. Can't walk. This is my PSA to y'all. Sit down. From OJ Holly. Sit down. Don't be in the street trying to race somebody in a 40-yard dash that used to be a former professional athlete. That's not your thing. You got work in the morning. It's okay to be active with other people like-minded, other people who work at your office, other people who were never at one point in time considered the best of the best. 
it's okay to get some some LA Fitness run, but don't challenge professional athletes. You ain't him, and you're gonna end up like Kevin Hart, whole joint, lower abdomen. Sit down, sit down, be a dad, be be a supervisor, chill, be a grill master, win there, win on the grill, be a margarita mixer, make the best drinks. Find your niche. Don't, don't be challenging professional athletes. That's my PSA. And that's it. That's all I got, man. Episode 3, Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Love one another. Um, I don't care if you love me or hate me. Just watch me. Hit the like button. If, if, if YouTube is not your thing, Apple, Spotify, all the other places is there. It's there. I'm to some that don't want me to win. Oh well. I got now. Forget about next. Just watch me. Even if you don't want to applaud, hit the like button. <laughs> but yeah, all right, that'll do it for me, man. Uh, Cowboys Raiders tomorrow, Saturday. I think they play seven o'clock. Whatever it is, man. Find me on uh, on Twitter at Mr. Fourth and Long. Uh, we about to get the Instagram page up. Same, same handle. Oh, Mr. Fourth and Long. Yep. Th Instagram and Facebook. Same there you go, bro. You lucky that no one jacked those or tried to. Tried to I'm all. I'm, I'm outside. <laughs> Yo, I'm outside. Facebook, Mr. Fourth and Long. Instagram, Mr. Fourth and Long. Twitter, Mr. Fourth and Long. I'm outside. Like, subscribe. Information is going to be there about, about unfiltered Jesse Holly. Um, never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it's your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.